Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. We went to see a movie we knew almost nothing about, maybe the weirdest movie of the year, and we're having a hard time finding anything wrong with it. We have a uh, group text thread where we share tidbits from the internet. Internet? Tidbits from the internet. And uh, often those tidbits include uh, movie headlines, movie news, Mm. trailers that none of us will watch, and people will send them and say, didn't watch it, but here's a trailer for a movie that sounds interesting. Or it'll say, this looked good enough that I stopped watching the trailer, which is an invitation to watch 10 seconds and make the same decision. (laughs) And uh, months and months ago, I remember uh, Matt Hughes sent to the thread a headline that was announcing the the impending release of a movie called The Lighthouse, which was going to have Willem Dafoe and uh, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Uh, you know, new Batman in it. And what we knew about the movie at the time was that it was uh, directed by Robert Eggers, who uh, directed The Witch, which many of us liked, but Tyler still has not seen to this day. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. And that is an A24 movie, which isn't necessarily a guarantee of greatness, but it's often a promising thing. Often. It's worth looking at. And uh, and that was it. I think that there might have been an image of the two of them in front of a lighthouse. And we says to ourselves, we says, oh, that's, that's going to be good. I think everyone sent something that was like, neat, or I'll yep. see that, or whatever. Uh, in the months leading up to the lighthouse, since none of us watched the uh, trailer, Patrick, you're on the show. Um, yeah, I'm here. Did you watch a trailer for this movie? I did not. Tyler's on the show. Yeah. Hey. Apparently, he's too tired to be bothered. No, no, no. I'm in. Let's do this. Did you Did you watch a trailer for The Lighthouse? No. Nor- I don't remember why. I think that I just saw the ingredients. <laughs> and I you said... Saw, you saw the recipe, and you yeah. were like, I'll eat that. I yeah. did see the poster, and I thought the poster looked really cool. Yeah. The poster was good. Well, it was just the two of them standing there. I know, no, but it was, looked, you know, like, there was oh, a, man, they're going to be up to something. There was a poster of a lighthouse... Out on the end of a long, I don't know what you call them. What did they call it in the film? A peninsula. Not a, it's not a peninsula. It's clearly an island. God dang it. It's a rock. Island. They kept saying this rock. Yeah, out on the end of some rocks, but the silhouette of Defoe and Pattinson's faces were in the rocks. Faces. What's a jetty? A jetty is a long um, line of rocks that helps control the... Um, <laughs> the the okay, tides the, the tides not the tides the it's it controls the um it's an airplane without propellers no 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 it's like you go down to Southern California there's long um rows of rocks leading out into the right off the shore and they control how how violent or mellow the water is okay I'll take that uh so I'll say that there was a small dimension of spoileriness to this whole thing because i saw the same poster i didn't think that it was cool or uncool because it was just the two of them mustachioed and looking like sea shanty people and i said oh okay cool yeah yeah i'll watch that and then uh and then the conversation leading up to the lighthouse uh release was lots of people going we're like oh yeah we need to go see the lighthouse and then the people would say what's it about i don't know and then people would say is it scary and i would say not sure could be. And they're like, so uh, <laughs> why do you guys keep talking about like it's promising? Oh, I don't know. So, like Tyler said, we saw the recipe. Good actors, good director, good, distri- good distributor. <laughs> cool poster. And then uh, uh, 
someone in the text thread was like, yeah, look at that. Something, something strange is afoot at the lighthouse. And we said, well, technically, we don't know if anything strange is afoot. But then I think it was Patrick said, uh-huh, because I saw a mermaid tail in the water. And I said, what? And I go back to the poster and zoom in. Sure enough, if you zoom in, there was a little mermaid tail in the water. Mm. So then I was like, oh, man, well, now I have more of an indication. I, I feel as though I, I know a little bit more of the tone of this movie, even though it still hadn't seen. I didn't even know the aspect ratio until I sat down and things started, and it was like in 4.3. Four three. And, and you're like, what the heck? I thought maybe it was going to expand out, but it didn't. So this is one of those things, yeah. those movies where – uh, afterward, I watched the trailer and thought, "Well, well, geez, that there sure is a lot of the movie in the trailer." Um, in fact, some might argue a lot of the more uh, <laughs> shocking moments in the movie that you would never see coming in a million years are in the trailer. Right? Yeah, I watched the trailer just a second ago. So I like watching trailers after I've seen the film, and they do give away too much. At least it's, it's out seeing. of context. Yeah, you don't you don't context. understand the full craziness of it. But yeah, but, my, the, but the argument remains that if you, if any of these images get seared into your mind, you're expecting them to happen. They can spoil the tension along the way. Yeah, it certainly spoil. I think it's, it would totally wreck the the tonal evolution of the movie. This is one of these certainly a slow burn movie that's ramping up into all kinds of craziness. But if you've already seen some of, uh, even just decontextualized images from the trailer, you know at some point it has to go this crazy. You know what I mean? Right. So you know that the, all the work you're doing in the first and yeah. first and second it's, act are just obligatory. Spoils the it spoils the descent into chaos. Yeah, which is that's a bummer. So yeah. we all went to see this movie, didn't watch the trailer, saw a poster and had some thoughts, and then. Um, Patrick, what did you think about the lighthouse by directed by written and directed by Robert Eggers? Written by that's cool. Yeah, he's yeah. a writer. He's a filmmaker. Robert the, the writing process is very interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I was really into it. I um, enjoyed thoroughly my viewing of it. And Says he co-wrote the screenplay with his brother Max Eggers. Yeah, Sorry to oh, Max. Just throwing in another piece of. Go ahead, go ahead Patrick. Kay. Sorry. <laughs> So the the co-writer and director of this movie um, did a good job, I think. I enjoyed it. Thumbs up. Tyler, what did you think about The Lighthouse? I really loved it. It's um, a highlight for me of the year, anyway. It's a top contender for best of 2019. Yeah, for sure. Heck, maybe even best of the decade. We'll see. Ooh. Oh, that's a great commercial for that episode. Yeah, it's synergy right there. Yeah. Stay tuned for the best of the 2010s coming soon. Uh, I thought uh, it was entirely great. There's nothing I would change about it. I loved the black and white. I loved the aspect ratio. I loved the writing, the acting, the the bits of horror to it and the chaos. And even though it ends and people's criticism is, yeah, but what's the meaning? It's like, even then I don't have major criticism because, uh, it's just kind of, it's kind of like this beautiful homage to filmmaking, but also, um, to just kind of this abstract storytelling in a sense. 
that can just does, can can it just it, it exists in its own way i feel like apart from other movies it, this is if you know that that dumb argument that uh, scorsese keeps making about marvel not being cinema sure compared to this this is cinema marvel's not cinema if we're comparing it to something like the lighthouse well there's certainly they're absolutely and inarguably different kinds of cinema <laughs> at the very least. Right. Let me put it, let me put it this way then. Um, if uh, you watch a ghost story, you think to yourself, this is on the fine line between a high art and film where you, you might as well just be watching a long contemporary art piece that you don't know if it's a, a movie or not. Sure. That's kind of what the lighthouse is almost. Yeah, bordering I, I, could, on. I could agree with that. It's it's high art where it's almost inaccessible, but it, they manage to do it in a way that's you totally get lost captivate, in it. You captivate. don't even know what you're doing. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Right, it feels right. <laughs> you're trapped on this island with them. So I love it. Okay, glowing review from Tyler Hands. I also uh, really liked it a lot. Uh, I I. We'll say as a balance, um, or maybe just a, p- a point in the other direction, that uh, it wasn't the it wasn't a traditional love it kind of movie for me. Like I, you know, see some every now and then I see a movie that's more of a abstract or meditative experience, and I have left like elated, like oh my gosh, wow, we just experienced something. This was a little bit of a. The movie I felt I could feel the movie's intentional, like uh, weirdness, in a way that was awesome, and I was really with it. And then there was some of it that I mean, it's it's goes so weird um, that it's designed to be the kind of movie that you're going to leave going like, well, what was this and what was that, and it it's not really interested in trying to resolve those things for you. So it, to me, it kind of exists in a middle ground between. Um, or a different, sorry, just an entirely different realm than a movie like Darren Aronofsky's Mother, which you leave and you you have a strong sense that almost every single thing in it was analogous or mm. metaphorical. And so you start to go, I think that this might have been this and this, and you're starting to put it together. Meanwhile, he's over here in the press over-explaining the whole movie. But that's a different thing. You know what I mean? It feels like uh, It feels like you can actually connect the dots and come away going, I think that this is the statement. Right. Um, this movie, to me, felt like, there was some of that. There was some of that that you're like, oh, I kind of get, and did you notice this? And there yeah. was a little bit of that. And then it felt like it was also, and I liked this about it, it was also doing a bit of like, some of this you're not going to work out. Right. And that, and, and so. Well, some of it was left, yeah, unknowable. Yeah, exactly. with Defoe's narrative of all of the, whenever Defoe was explaining something to his young wiki, it was like, well, that you're saying something entirely different from what we saw. Which is it? Yeah. He's like when he smashes up the boat with the axe, and then he says it was kind of crazy when you smashed up the boat with that <laughs> axe. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah, what? exactly. And whatever, whatever we're saying is consistent with Robert Pattinson's correct character. So you're left in a position to be like, well, now I don't know if what I'm seeing is actually what's happening. Right. It's either that what yeah. I'm seeing is trustworthy, or is it, or it isn't. And then that puts the whole narrative in a really complicated place where you're like, okay, well, I mean, maybe he's crazy. Maybe he's not crazy. So I, I don't know. I talked to people afterward and it felt like some of them 
we're starting to pick up the bigger pieces and go, I think this might, did you notice this? And it kind of parallels, oh yeah, interesting, interesting. But then they're wanting to pull like a, uh, you know, the same thing as mother and be like, so I think the whole thing, and you know, like really tidy it up. Right. I'm like, I don't really know if this is that kind of movie. It's, I don't it's, think uh, so. I don't know how it could be. It, I did read somewhere with a director where he was saying that there are specific throwaway lines in there that are essential to putting the thing together that people are going to miss, you know, and it's pur- purposely put in there in a way that they would miss it. So it would be a little more confusing to run with. But little things like at one point, William Defoe looked at him and said, I don't remember their names. Uh, it was, well, he had two um, names. Right. It was Thomas was, was uh, Pattinson. That was his real and name or the fake name? That was his real name. Yeah, Thomas both Wake. their houses. But I mean, both their houses, both their names. Yeah. E- well, Ephraim Winslow and Thomas Winslow. Wake. Winslow, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> William Defoe at one point says, how long do you think we've even been here? One week, two months or something like that? Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. That at it seems like at different points you can't trust what's happening because, Oh, now we're in their head or this person, you know, like nothing is trustworthy in this. And that's kind of just adds to the insanity of the whole thing, which is probably the point. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed as if, uh, the part of the experience, like Tyler's describing it's like, Oh, it's like a, it's, it's a true cinematic experience. And that it's kind of fun. It was like, you're in the theater. Our theater had, you know, it wasn't like a packed theater, but it had a decent little amount of people in it, and everyone's leaving the theater. It seemed like the audience reacted to it favorably, but we're all, everyone's going like, whoa, what the heck? Like, it's kind of a provocative thing, and it ends with one of the more, like, upsetting shots I've seen in a movie in recent mm-hmm. years, which I really loved. It was like, man, that's really ballsy. Yeah, to they go got people out. upset in my theater. Really? <laughs> yeah. I went and saw it during the day, and I realized that that's my favorite time to see films, but you're you're exposing yourself to more old people because that's also when they have time. Like, like their radiation or something? Yeah. It's just been... They, I, I, I'm starting to realize older people that are retired, they'll just go see whatever. Sure. And so I sat down in this theater, and I looked around, and there was three other old people, and I thought, you don't know what you're in for. <laughs> yeah. Even even I knew just based on word of mouth and and reputation that this is going to be dark and weird and and awful and they're not going to. So sure enough, lots of groans, lots of. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> poor egg. And poor then guy. that final scene just had this old guy going ah, and he just, then he just walked up and left. <laughs> like, well, it's it over him. now, yeah. sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The that ending scene is interesting too because that thing makes me think there is something to be said at least in some aspects of the film because that does not seem to be what's happening on any narrative no that's like a metaphor for something yeah. or the when we were leaving matt our own matt hughes was saying that it, pointing out the prometheus thing you know he goes to the light tower steals the light and in the the folklore of the prometheus he steals the light and is punished by the bird eating his liver every day yeah well that's what i interpreted it as is that the film is full of this um seafarer type culture and folklore certainly uh, as described by willem dafoe's character going on and on about superstitions and all this and so once robert pattinson um i forget how you don't i forget how he phrased it in the film about 
minding the seagulls don't mess with the seagulls mm-hmm. something like that as soon as robert pattinson just obliterated that that seagull <laughs> on the rock yeah that's he beat the, the crap out of it the winds changed and all that so i i interpreted that final fall down the lighthouse steps and the fade to white fade to white being significant uh that uh it meant death and so he was spending time in the afterlife being tormented by these seagulls which were the souls of of dead sailors sure oh um, yeah they did say that didn't mm-hmm. they um giving him his due yeah cert. and the one that was plaguing him had one eye right i was like that's got to be something that's got to be something yeah and so the fate to white is a big um object of, of debate in filming in film devices as well is that it's typically signifying of death yeah and at so the very th- least it should raise your eyebrow to say this right. probably isn't something's different you're think. yeah yeah there's a particular um robert redford film i'm trying to try and talk about this as subtly as i can giving, well, i love the one you're talking giving about. hints without spoiling the film there's a robert redford film that does a fade to white at the end and it's open for translation yeah. on his true fate and that's kind of what's happening here it almost seems like although it's still a little grim either way it doesn't seem like it went well no for him. no well yeah the prometheus thing like I'll, I'll admit while i was watching it and i i i guess i kind of prefer it even though it sounds like maybe sour grapes i didn't think about anything like prometheus or greek mythology while i'm watching this because it it was such a rapid succession of bizarre images that I was just going, what, what? And then, you know, it kind of uh, ramps up to him going up to that weird light, which is, uh, you know, I read about afterward, this that kind of light with all the different uh, lenses in it that they had to build out and everything. And then it cuts to this. And it's already so bizarre because we see him fall down a, the staircase. And then the next shot we see him, he's naked and outside. So you're like, clearly something weird is going <laughs> like uh he didn't lose his clothes on the fall down, so we're set in like a different time or place or something that's not real or the last thing wasn't real. And right. it's just a, a jarring, sudden cut to something else. And that's the, and he's like, and we're ending the movie on this. I think it was death. It's a terrible thing. I think that it was, it was ultimate fate was death. The There's a famous painting called The Torture of Prometheus that shows, uh, that depicts the bird eating the, uh, is that a goal? That's not a goal. No, in the painting, it's like a big black hawk-looking thing, a bird of prey. Uh, so afterward, you know, I someone else had to tell me. They were like, oh, I thought of Prometheus because that's like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, that's how the story goes. Birds eat his stuff. And then you Google it, and I'm looking at all these. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it sure seems like there's a connection there. So I, I don't know. To me, this, this particular movie uh, is one of those ones where I like it to be at least semi-unexplainable. Yeah, I think that part of the fun of it is to yeah. be like, I don't want someone to. Some of it I'm interested in. If someone were to tell me, oh, you know this, because uh, Dave Eggers or Dave Eggers, Robert Eggers, Dave not Eggers the famous is novelist, author, yeah. yeah, Robert Eggers with the Witch, uh, famously did just a tremendous amount of research, slave, and some, some would argue too much research. That was one of the critiques of the movie. It's just like so anchored in real life. Uh, historical re- records and folklore of the time, that kind of thing, that uh, 
you're like, it could be neat to hear him say like, oh, well, we actually learned this. And in the credits, it specifically says that they read journals from lighthouse keepers. Like, oh, that's kind of fascinating. So he was referencing, yeah, actual accounts of lighthouse keepers. That to me me is almost enough right there to be like, I like like the idea that some of that insanity was represented in one way or another in real sources that he consulted. I loved that too. Yeah, yeah, I don't really want it all. Yeah, it's kind of like out. how um, you know we did a podcast on Joker and everybody loved it, but since then <laughs> the podcast or the movie, <laughs> the podcast, those oh, right. people are like knocking the door down talking about how great it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, Tyler yeah, had to be, do a big signing in Korea. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. But I didn't ask. <laughs> and all the press, they start asking like the director, like, "Well, what about this or this or tie out some of the loose ends?" And he's given some of the answers, uh-huh. and that kind of takes away oh, from it right like the fate of the um yeah another character right yeah they're yeah. like what happened and then he says it and i was like oh but the cool thing was like what happened there that was part of this this thing is just i liked yeah that it could have been one way or the other yeah. yeah and then we get to argue about it and have fun yeah i was uh just texting with a friend of mine who just who? finally saw joker who? and <laughs> i asked him i asked him well what happened to this character and he said oh man i don't know but don't tell me i don't want to know like yeah. he he wanted it to remain a mystery. That's I said, the right the, way I said to the do directors it, yeah. out here telling us. Yeah. He's like, Oh don't I don't want to read it. Yeah. I read it. That's fair. So it's, this movie is riddled with that in the best way where you don't you don't need to know what it is because you're just falling down that staircase with him. Yeah. I, I knew <laughs> going into it to expect a descendant in chaos. I, I I guess maybe that's just what I was assuming two men on a in a, a lighthouse for a month kind of film would be uh but even from the very beginning he was telegraphing and foreshadowing a lot of this ominous uh stuff to come like one of my favorite shots in the entire film or the first just couple minutes where it's a long shot of them just staring off into the distance together and you don't know what they're doing they've stopped before even going into the building they're just staring like something terrible is happening in the distance and then the camera turns around and it's the boat disappearing into the fog. Yeah, that was great. And you think, that's it. Yeah, that's a, that's an immense foreshadow that things are not going to go well here. Yeah. And, you know, when I got out, somebody was like, hey, how was it? Because they had heard, like, is it crazy? And I was like, there's a lot more fart jokes than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> it had they, a, they came out right away with those fart jokes. Yeah, the it had a a, a surprising amount of humor. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was great, too, because then you're like, well, it's not being pretentious because it's not taking itself that seriously. I think that that is lending itself well to what that um, environment would be. Men working together in that close of quarters, they're, they're, not, they're not, they're not b- abiding by very many They'd be open to, courtesies, like, you know? Yeah. Open to there, there are very few courtesies between men in that environment, and they're going to make sarcastic remarks and make fart. jokes there's gonna be fart a lot. Fart. it's gonna be injected with humor as much as it is just terrible things especially since the, a lot of this movie they spend getting just absolutely drunk yeah and uh that the, a lot of the mo- movies bigger bids at comedy come from scenes of like drunken dialogue yeah and uh it that that's the grit the fun dichotomy of the movie to me was like uh take take two scenes for example 
one that afterwards when I was reading more about it seems to have already become the most famous scene in the movie where Willem Dafoe uh, stands up and pronounces a curse on Robert Pattinson's character. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and he's doing this like Shakespearean acting. That's what I was going to say, yeah. So many of those lines felt very Shakespearean. And then he was like, he was so freaking committed to that uh, scene. You know, people talk about actors being fearless sometimes, which I used to always be like, I wonder what that means exactly but uh in scenes like that you can kind of see it this is like oh, yeah. this man was going for it he was definitely like yeah willem defoe absolutely freed up to try something strange and he does it uh and it's kind of like chilling and bizarre yeah and then uh and then it but it ends with a punchline they're like arguing right. about his cooking <laughs> his cooking yeah <laughs> that's what's like, funny is it goes into that that terrible curse just based on comments about his cooking yeah and then the the final bit in the scene is he's robert pattinson's character winslow says have it your way i like your cooking yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> he, and we laughed like yeah. The, uh, yeah. there's a lot of that at one point when robert pattinson is like doing all the outside work that looks terrible, loading up the coal and everything. Uh-huh. And then in the midst of it, he like throws out the pan and then it grows back in his face. Yeah, all the crap like, oh, and man. he just starts screaming. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little things like that. Yeah, it, it did a great. really good job at pacing. Uh, I, I said when we were walking out of the theater that I felt like I was cold and wet watching the movie. I really did. I did not like, I felt miserable. You know that feeling of like, when you're in the rain and then you can't get somewhere warm, so you're just sitting outside. And I've, I've wanted a blanket or something while mm-hmm. I was watching the movie, and it did a really good job at like trying to somehow put the audience in the arduousness of all the stuff he had to do every day. So you have to watch him go all the way back and forth, and then see it like one of the worst days when he's being like beaten by the wind and it's raining all over him. He's trying to throw doo doo out and it splashes back on him. So they. You're like, ah, I freaking hate this place. This place freaking sucks. Yeah. 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 I I appreciated um the descent into chaos as well because when we first find out they're there for forty days or thirty days or something. Does anyone remember? There's a certain amount of weeks, right? That's how four weeks that he's supposed to be there, you mean? Yeah, Yeah, they're they're stationed there for four weeks and the ship is supposed to come back. And I thought, oh, they're gonna make it four weeks. But sure enough, they they make it three weeks and six days and they finally have a, a Robert Pattinson character finally has a, a proper toast and they're waiting for the ship, but then it never comes. I didn't expect that. I thought maybe we would see they couldn't do four weeks, yeah, but then, but then it opened it up to this, this giant realm of possibilities where we lost track of time too, as the audience where Willem Dafoe saying, have we been here two days or seven weeks or whatever it was? Yeah. The, they were, he was talking about how someone was stranded there for seven months alone. She thought that 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 would make sense. Yeah, uh, that was when people would go crazy. They lose track of time. They lose track of the seasons. They're relentlessly beaten by waves and rain. That'll get to you. Have and to. It, it was getting to me. It felt like uh yeah the movie communicated all that, and then it lapses into a kind of seamlessness after Robert Pattinson's character is abandoned by the boat, or at least we're led to believe that he was supposed to be gone in a timely fashion. He doesn't get to go. And, uh, and then there's this first chilling moment where he says something like, I think I'm going to go check or I'm going to go back out there. There's, there's a moment where he wants to pursue and we're in the 
chronology and editing of the movie led to believe that this is moments after or the next day, something very soon after he first went to take his ride back and missed it or didn't it didn't show. And uh, Willem Dafoe's like, that was weeks ago or that was like, you know, days ago. He, he communicates that it's been like way longer. And you're like, what? And then you right. feel this wave of like uh, dread go over you because you're like, oh, man things are going real bad yeah it's not gonna <laughs> be great for them and then, then certainly they, you get to the point where they're drinking kerosene and you're like oh yeah. this is not good at they all they dig up the bottles of of booze in the dirt that he had hidden rations yeah yeah and then it just becomes a drunken nightmare until they kill one of those that's, really, that's a really good description of the movie just a drunken nightmare how do you think filming the scene where he's being with buried mermaid alive? Genitals. that was rough to watch that was yeah. hard to watch because he kept like he that was committed to it. Yeah. Because he was fearless. letting that stuff get in his eyes and he was his talking mouth. and all. And it was like. He kept tasting that dirt. and I could t- I could taste the dirt in his you mouth. You think that, CG, that dirt was CG? Or was that real dirt? <laughs> oh, man, that was real. No, it wasn't like the snow in Black Panther. Yeah. Or that, <laughs> yeah. The CG snow. Yeah, yeah. I think that these two men did amazing jobs. Their performances are astounding. There's Willem Dafoe obviously steals s- scenes entirely. But Robert Pattinson really impressed me. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, there were moments where I thought, dang, especially at the end when he was laughing into the light. I thought, this is amazing. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen, I've heard that he's been in some like impressive movies where his yeah. performances have been impressive. And this is the first one like this I've seen. But I was like, dang, he's going to be a good Batman. <laughs> yeah, he was great. They both were. I, I thought, I think they both deserve Oscar nominations at the least. They were completely committed to their characters in a way that made both of them to me really believable. And I liked the idea that like uh, it was almost a, you know, a quasi twist that we learn later that, Oh, Winslow's not Winslow at all. He just saw a guy get killed. Didn't really care. I took his name cause he didn't have a criminal record with it. And right. he's trying to get a better job. But at this point in the spilled movie, the beans. yeah, he spilled his beans. It doesn't really matter that that tidbit so it's not like huge it was just kind of like oh that's weird and know, then it goes into that haunting you spilled your yeah beans. It, that sent that sent <laughs> willem dafoe he got Why'd sent you on spill that your i love that they chose to take one of the more ominous uh moments of the film because at least these two men while they're being tormented by time and and the relentless uh ocean and rain they still have one another, but that him spilling the beans seemed to fracture even the support they had between the two of them, and so it was pretty ominous that the 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 lighthouse and the hallways were all echoing with that statement, and the statement is a ridiculous. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a beautiful uh, uh, example of the contrast between how ominous and dark and foreboding and and scary really the film is but then also silly and ridiculous at the same time it was a little bit honestly like the central uh, image from a ghost story where it's just that stupid blanket (laughs) with holes for eyes but somehow the movie convinces you that it's this really like profound image yeah by the end of it yeah job well done yeah it was a great movie how about when william defoe is standing over him with the lasers coming out of his eyes Remember that part? Oh, yeah. No, I had forgotten until you just what, said. What was up with that? <laughs> the movie, uh, yeah, in the dream. Yeah, he has a dream, and they're kind of like uh, posed like Oh, Olympians. right. That yeah. was great 
But wasn't it? But it was light coming out of his eyes. Right? There was lights yeah. coming out. Yeah, light lasers. Yeah. yeah, it was almost like he had become the lighthouse, and he was seeing through Robert Pattinson's character with laser eyes. Yeah, and he was naked. But they pose that 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 posture that they both took. Yeah, in that they were like scene. battling it was like gladiators a or something. Yeah. yeah, I liked the the dream sequences became uh, uh, an exciting motif in the movie. Cause yeah. At first, you're like, okay, so. When the the weirdness is going to start here, wherever it's going, it's starting here, and with the weird mermaid stuff, and at some point you're seeing mermaid Siren. genitals and yeah, all kinds of nutty laser eyes. But then it's obviously bleeds into the waking world or what we're seeing that we're led to believe is the waking world, and uh, the final fight with the <laughs> axe murdering and everything. Has Willem Dafoe's character transforming into like a, a Poseidon type King Triton looking figure with tentacles flailing all around? Yep. Which is yep. in the freaking trailer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes where, uh, like in particular, where Willem Dafoe is running across the the exterior out on the rocks with the axe over his head, and the camera's panning next to him. We're following him. He he stays centered right in the middle of the shot. And we're following right next to him as he runs with limping with his dead leg or whatever it is. I thought it was a brilliant homage to old time, like almost like silent film, the way that they f- framed and filmed a lot of this as well. Yeah. Obviously the black and the white and the, the formatting ratio does, but they managed to like the cinematography itself lends to some of these older films. And some of them are like comedies, like almost like uh Charlie Chaplin style, a lot of physical comedy, physical comedy bits. Yeah, yeah, man. The seeing it in a theater with good sound was something too, because the score it was super fascinating and miserable. Really big that uh, refrain of the foghorn that starts like the first thing that you hear in the movie, and that keeps sounding out randomly throughout the movie. It was a sound design, the composer. Everyone was really doing their job yeah. on this movie to make an excellent movie. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Well done. Thanks, yeah. Rob Eggers. Spilt I don't beans. have any criticism. Mm-mm. Does anyone have any criticism? I think this is going to sound like a weird thing to say about this movie, but uh, part of me was anticipating and hoping f- that it would go even crazier yeah. than it did. It felt like it had a... It definitely delivered on the promise that it makes early on in the movie that it's going to get weird. You know, you, even just tonally, you get the sense that like, oh, we're we're in for a weird ride and something's going to go really bad. And e- even the just the dreary shot of the boat pulling out, like you said, you, you, you get a sense of what you're in for. Um, and it delivers on that. It definitely gets weird and it definitely goes very bad. But... Uh, there were these small glimpses, especially when the the violence between them, he buries him. So you're like, oh, this isn't good. And I agree. I was watching that. I was actually watching uh, the dirt hit his chest over and over again and thinking to myself going out of the movie, like, he better be careful <laughs> because he's going to accidentally get some of that dirt. And, oh, there it goes. and then there it goes. It's right in That's his right face. In his yep. But then it all of a sudden starts to go bananas. Like he goes back in there. He's looking everywhere for that key. And then Willem Dafoe runs back in with the axe and axes him in the shoulder. And then he chops his head, you know, and blood shoots out everywhere. I was like, oh, oh. And then it kind of calmed 
back down again. It slows back down again. And it was still all really fascinating, right. really satisfying. But I, I thought it was about to go like mm-hmm. balls to the wall a little more. And yeah. part of me wanted that. Yeah, but it felt like the balance thing, you know, like we're saying how it's like, oh, it balanced all these things of like, you don't really need to know what's happened because the, the chaos we saw seems to be the story itself. You know, if it went too much crazier, it wouldn't have that balance anymore. Or it would need like some sense of like, here's the real story so that we can go crazier. It seemed like it just, you know, good direction just kept it all. Well, I think if it hadn't ended there. on the shot that it ended on, I might have left a, a little bit disappointed. I might have said, I don't know. It it was really cool, really fascinating, but at the end of the day, I don't know, something about that last shot and the commitment to end your movie that way was something that was so upsetting to look at. And especially that it wasn't just birds disemboweling this guy, but he was clearly alive and squirming. And, and then the movie just b- doesn't bother to tell you anything else about it. It just rolls to credits uh, after, the, obviously, the notorious... You've already got the confusing fade to white and everything. So I, I was like, wow, that is pretty intense. And that made me feel as if, even though it wasn't as bonkers as part of me wanted to, not all of me, but part of me wanted to go, that was that felt to me like pretty ballsy. Yeah. So at the end of the day, not no really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, uh, the I was having a conversation about movies recently and it was Ask the question, name a flawless film. And in my mind, that's kind of like what film would I consider perfect in the sense that it wouldn't change anything? Like, oh, this could have been better, that could have been better. I think The Lighthouse qualifies as a film where I wouldn't change anything. That's, that's, let's, uh, this is, let's, hey, viewers, listeners, let's come back and do a full episode of your. Like everybody make a list of flawless, flawless films. films. Yeah, because yeah. flawless films is different than your favorite. Yeah, films. it's just right, like oh, f- there's just nothing wrong with this. Yeah, it do- it doesn't have to be like perfect, and you you know, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, films where you wouldn't change anything. Yeah, because I think that there's probably even I mean we've only ever done my top ten. If you guys, if you make your top ten, you'll look at it and be like, well, some of these like are not perfect and no. I know they're not perfect but you like them but I like them they're my favorites yeah. and then others on the list you would be like oh I can't think of a single thing I would change then you get into weird things like well you know in Evil Dead would you change it so that you can't see the top of that sound stage or would you leave that exactly like it is <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's part of the conversation <laughs> did you actually see the lighthouse what the heck did you think of it do you feel like it needs to be explained to be appreciated, or do you like the more ambiguity, the more better, the, the more better? Leave a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com and give us your in-depth review of The Lighthouse, including your critical analysis, a breakdown of every metaphor and analogy, including any references to Greek mythology or uh, uh, mythology of any kind. <laughs> <laughs>